looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Past the Post. It's Sunday, the 4th of June. Thanks for your company. Big look back at Oak State Eagle Farm yesterday. We're right into Star Stradbroke season, of course, the... The carnival really hits the high note. It's the crescendo next Saturday when it's the Star Stradbroke. But it was Oaks Day yesterday, Ben Dorries, and Amakura winning. What I liked about yesterday was, apart from the good racing, and we'll talk about that in detail, I've often said about the absence of Victorians, how they seem to have, um, you know, bypassed or overlooked our carnival, probably prefer to go more to South Australia, even though the prize money's less. But a real Victorian field yesterday with Damien Oliver riding Amakura and winning trainers Andrew Noblet, Foxy Frieda, and Nick Ryan with Munavik. Yeah, there was a real Victorian flavour. Not quite sure where you like that so much. I prefer Queenslanders on the big race. I don't know if we want to give some to the Victorians. But I was it... just stating a fact. I wasn't making an opinion. <laughs> uh, it was a superb training performance by Chris Lees to win the Oaks and an arguably even better ride by Damien Oliver. That was spectacular stuff. Um, look, in the lead-up to the Oaks, I've got to say, and even yesterday on race day itself, the main talking point in that Oaks was a horse that didn't run, Fireburn, the mm. favourite, um, so, look, it was taken out on Thursday. Gary Portelli disputed the fact that it was lame. The vet said it was lame. He said, no, no, no. He said it's just uh, a peculiar gait that the horse has got. 24 hours later, he said the horse is fine. So, look, it's an interesting one going forward. That horse won't race in the Q22 next week. But, look, I would have liked another day, perhaps, for them to have a look at that, that horse because I think it robbed that race of something yesterday, not having fire burn there. But having said that, clearly, if there's an issue with the horse, you don't want it running. It's a tricky one, and I'll discuss it uh, tomorrow morning on Press Room in my opening remarks, but uh, did have did create a lot of conversation, understandably so. I mean, this rule came in. Everyone said, OK, fair enough, good idea. But all of a sudden, when it's the favourite in a group one that comes out, it really comes under the spotlight. That's for tomorrow. Let's discuss yesterday, and we've spoken about the Oaks, the group one. Let's go to the replay. You know, in the last half hour, um, a Ferris Weaver and Renaissance woman had a great battle for favouritism, but in the end, it was Renaissance woman who ran the favourite at 390 over a Ferris Weaver. Here's the replay. Out of the back to the side, 900 left to run. Queensland Oaks, 2023, and Let Me Rain calls the shots. But Secure Girl is nice and dangerous. Now a half a length in the rears are at the half mile. Super Chilled third, Divine Purpose fourth. Both have had good runs. Likewise for Chevelle Door outside of Original Gaze. Then came Noah and Adil, followed by Madame Oden. Presidium Arch in centre field about to make a move. Then Rio So Dazzling. A long way back was Amakiri near the rail, ridden defensively by Oliver. Trying to make ground a Ferris Wheel. Rissolate off them. Renaissance woman behind it. Then Yankee Hustle. Fireflies carrying Lass and Tyresa. In the straight below the 400 metres. And Secura Girl bounded to a clear lead. Rio emerging from the ruck coming after the leader. Then Divine Purpose. No one a deal putting in. Amakura threading the needle. A Ferris Weaver and Renaissance woman with work to do. Rio in front. Amakura the danger. Up went Amakura. And Ollie went for home. Amakura shooting clear. Rio can do no more. But it's Amakura's Oaks. One impressively. Vito Brio, no one a deal, Renaissance woman, then a Ferris Weaver, followed by Yankee Hustle. Back in the field was Secura Girl who peaked late, then Divine Purpose, Chevelle Door, then So Dazzling, Caring Lass, Original Glaze, Presidium Arch, Let Me Raid, and Tyresa, Lust Over the Light.
as they often do, they came in at long intervals. The in horse field, but in the end, Amakura was the best staying filly, taking the Group 1 Queensland Oaks. Chris Lees is the trainer, and we're delighted that Chris is joining us as our first guest this morning. Chris, good morning. Congratulations. When I looked at the field here, I saw D. Oliver Barrier 1. You say there's two good ticks, and she was a winner in her past two starts impressively. Did you think going into the race that you had the Oaks winner there? Oh, good morning to you, David. Look, um, we went in with some degree of confidence, knowing the filly was in form and she'd stay, but you're always just a little guarded when you go from a maiden class one to to a group one. But I suppose um, Queensland Oaks, or any Oaks for that matter, it's often won by that horse on the way up, um, which I think she was. And um, she just got there probably on the right day and in good order. And as you said, Barrier 1 and D. Oliver certainly... Um, didn't take any, anything away from her. Oh, exactly right. Well, I suppose a, a side question to that is, we look at those runs, sixth on debut at Tari, second at Scone, seventh at Hawkesbury, but did you know right from the get-go you had a filly that would develop, had above-average potential? Always looked a staying type, and all the riders, I must say, uh, Digger McClellan rode her early days, and he, he was pretty adamant she'll she'll make a stayer, um, whether it was all going to come too quick from her. For, from an Oaks perspective, or actually her run at Hawkesbury, she was totally luckless and she stepped out of sight, close tight in the market the next start and she won by when you win a maiden at, at Newcastle by eight lengths, regardless of the field, you know, it's, I think it's pretty good going, so you, you, you know you're on the right path somewhat, and then we decided we'd bring her up to um, Queensland with the view she, we knew she'd need you know, probably another 15,000 or so to, to make the race and she was lucky enough to win at the sunny coast and won quite well again, so we thought we were on the right path, but, um, yeah, she's still going to do it on the day. Take us inside the conversation with Damien Oliver uh, in regard to the booking, Chris, because <laughs> you, you ring D Oliver and say, hey, look, I've got a filly that's won a Class 1 at the Sunshine Coast last start. I think she can win the Oaks. And I gather as well uh, there was Hugh Bowman in the mix as well, but, uh, you know, might have been a bit expensive to fly him over from Hong Kong. And D Oliver got the, uh, got the chocolates with a $400 flight, I gather. Well, I rang Huey straight after the race at the Sunshine Coast, and we speak probably once a week anyway. I said, it's not a social call. I want you to watch <laughs> Amakura and just one at the Sunshine Coast and watch its previous win, then ring me back if you want to come. And I waited a few hours, and we spoke again. And The flights from Hong Kong, you know, international flights at the moment are very expensive, and um, we could, between us, we couldn't come to an agreement, I must say. So uh, um, I thought... Um, I tried Damien Oliver. I spoke to his manager, who I, I know has been following her, um, Mark Van Treek, and he said oh, he should go, but you know what Ollie's like? He just had four weeks in Adelaide, backwards and forwards, so he probably wasn't that keen to travel again for a 20-to-1 pop at the time. But I, I rang him, and um, he thought about it for 24 hours and come back and said he'd come, so certainly delight to have him. Yeah, it's hard to believe uh, that's 18 years ago since Hugh Bowman, who we were just talking about there, won the Oaks on the test day which she trained. Yeah, so how old I'm getting, David, I know that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but uh, she was my second group one winner, but first in Queensland. So um, she was a handy man. Different profile she'd come through. She'd, she'd won in Sydney as, um, as, a, as a late three, early three-year-old. Was always going to make the field, but um, yeah, a little bit different, but still good days. She always looked to be cruising, didn't she? Um, if you watch the replay, she, she never looked in doubt as long as she got a run. I suppose that was just the key, Ollie, sort of weaving and finding the right passage and really didn't really have to go around much at all. The gaps just opened up and it was just sweet as in the end. 
Yeah, well, when she she was in the gates a long time during barrier one, and when she stepped a bit slow, because I, I said, oh, she can just be a touch aggressive, so I wouldn't be too too aggressive out of the gates. But she stepped slow, and you had to give her a bit of a shake up to hold her position. Probably um, probably got a little further back than we were expecting with barrier one, but she travelled very strong throughout without being over over keen. I could see her come to the corner, knew we were going to be in contention. Then you start hoping we hope runs appear, and he got on the back of the. The second horse, who ran really well and took him all the way through the field, and she popped off its back at the right right time, and um, it was pretty smooth from there. It's amazing these races, like the Derbies and the Oaks, the Group Ones. Uh, like from a broadcasting point of view, they get into their positions. Generally, they, they they hold their positions, but the race can change so dramatically between the six hundred and about the three hundred because then they start to drop away. They drop off. They can't go on. And then it's the, uh, well, the, the men from the boys or the girls from the women, and, and, and she was one. You could just see her going through. You knew she was going to be hard to beat. Yeah, that's what you look for, don't you? You see some of them horses come under pressure, and when the jockey's still got plenty of horse coming to the corner, you know, you, you know you're going to be thereabouts, and, and she was one of them. You'd be no chance of, of backing her up next week in the Q22 by any chance, would you? I'm assuming not, but... No, nah, no, nah, she'll have a well-deserved break. Like, it's the first race preparation. I think she's gone from, as, as we alluded to, a couple of... Um, one place runs in maidens through to a group one win. She's done a good job. So we'll give her a month in the sun. And um, I don't know that we'll aim too high in the spring either. You know, it's, a, it's a big, big ask to go from that next, from three-year-old Phillies company into the into the open handicaps. So we'll, we'll give her a pretty light spring. And um, maybe next year she might be back up there for the winter. As usual, and I mentioned this to you before the race yesterday, I got it wrong. I backed Yankee Hustle, the, uh, the state who actually ran pretty well for six. What did you make of her performance? Yeah, she she, she raced outside the winner throughout. Um, as we've always said, she just doesn't help herself, although Andrew gets it settled better than most. She's settled well enough, but um, she's ran six, and so she's acquitted herself quite well at that company, and she's another one who'll have a nice break, and hopefully she can mature a bit mentally, physically. She looks fine, but she's just got to, the penny's just got to drop a little bit with her to be bit more receptive of, of the bit and we might have a nice horse. Chris, you've got a regular presence here in southeast Queensland with the, the satellite stable at the Gold Coast, but these colours aren't familiar to me and nor is the ownership. So let's let's uh, talk about them and give them some credit. The St Albans Scone Partnership. Yeah, St Albans Studs, a small boutique stud just as you drive into Scone. Um, they've been long-time uh, breeders. Um, they, they bred all, there's about three or four generations in that family alone. Um, I think my father trained a few of them and go back through the through the um, through the dams on the page. So um, um, they've always been really good small time breeders. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Fraser, uh, their son Alistair, who was there yesterday, mm. he actually owned Hortensia. She was a top mare, one one in three continents, Group One races all around the world. So um, they've had a good presence in in in, um, in, Hunter, in the Hunter Valley for a long time. Just going back to that satellite stable, you're happy with the way things are going? Are you happy with prize money in South East Queensland, how things are going here? Yeah, I do. I think it's, I think it's improving all the time. Um, I'm very fortunate. Mel and Mandy do a wonderful job mm. for my stable up there. You know, really pleased for them yesterday to see them um, win a group one together. Um, and I, I think it's going from strength to strength. I can't wait for the Gold Coast to be finished. It's been a little bit of an inconvenience, but I think everyone's working well there and and when it's finished, it's going to be certainly well worthwhile. So I'm um, uh, looking forward to the future in Queensland. Yeah, short-term pay, long-term gain. And uh, 
it's it's a great opportunity for for trainers like yourself. Chris Waller falls into the same category to be able to to be able to, to judge horses just at what level they're at, and if they're just you know maybe struggling a bit in Sydney or. Uh, a different training regime or a different environment, uh, that Gold Coast option works really well. Oh, most definitely. And then you can see just with different gradings of horses, you know, Sydney's such a competitive area. Um, no doubt it's the strongest area, that, you know, we race in. But um, if you can just find the right target race in, in Queensland, you know, and, and a lot of trainers are doing it as well, just going for hit and runs. But it's, I think it's making it very competitive in Queensland as well. But there's certainly good options and if you can place your horses right. Good day at the office, mate. Thanks for joining us this morning. Congratulations again. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. There is Chris Lees, the winning trainer of the Queensland Oaks, Amakura. Damien Oller, I think, numbers his 124th Group 1 win. We don't see him here that, that often uh, in Queensland these days uh, from a carnival point of view, but it was great to see him there yesterday. He's, he's been at the, the top of the tree for several decades now and still going strong. I'll tell you who didn't <clears throat> want to see him here yesterday. That was Martin Harley, who was on the second place get a yeah, Rio man. at 100 to 1. He said to me after the race, he said, I thought I was home. And then I heard this, oh, D. Oliver, get out of my way. He thought, uh-oh, I'm in trouble here. And you know what, though? Talking to Richard Lammy and Martin Harley after that race, it was like that one, really, you know, with a 101 shot running second. And Martin Harley, only only a week back into his comeback from a shocking broken neck, uh, terrific moment for him. Of course, he won the last race on Wednesday at Dooman. That is, well, not his second ride back, but that would have been a that would have been a, a real Cinderella story. No, it a deal. Very good. The Queensland filly in third, the, the Gold Coast train filly. Now, the big guns, betting-wise, ran fourth and fifth Renaissance Woman. And Aferis Weaver. Aferis Weaver began ordinarily, and just in the background there, if people don't realise, they'd been in the barriers for a long time. Tyresa was the last one to go up. I think they, she went in about five or six times, went in, came out, and then she was edgy in the gates, and Aferis Weaver was drawn alongside of her. So in the end, she ended up in an ordinary spot. So did Renaissance Woman, for that matter. She was a long way back. They both made ground, but they were never likely. Uh, no, they weren't. Um, but you know what? Uh, they ran on well, but no taking away from the winner. Um, superb training performance, uh, superb ride. Everything just fell together on the day. And to be honest, when we saw D. Oliver in the form, God, as you said, barrier one and eight dollars. I mean, to be honest, off off her form, I know she she was coming off wins, but I, I would have thought she would have potentially started longer than eight dollars. She wasn't racing against the top grade. Uh, that told you there was a fair deal of market support for her. Yeah, there certainly was. And she, she was a firmer in that last 20 minutes into $8 too. Well, that was the Queensland Oaks for 2023 Amakura Successful. And if Vitesse Dane, 15 years ago, I remember Vitesse Dane came from a mile back to win the Oaks and then ran in the Derby when they were the other way around and ran a terrific third to Lachlan River in the Derby. Again, came from right out the back. Let's go to the other group race yesterday. This was the Group 2 Morton Cup, the sprint feature at 1,200 metres. Quantico was the favourite at 280, but the second elect was Prince of Boom at 390. Prince of Boom is going to take plenty of catching. He's travelled boldly in the lead. He's enjoying his racing. And look at him go now. He slipped away, Prince of Boom. 2-3 in front. From Contemptuous, Clemenceau, Frosty Rocks. Quantico's got work to do with that R&T. The rest were struggling. Prince of Boom in front, down towards 100 metres. He's well clear. Contemptuous battling on. Far too easy emerging for the Quinella. But Prince of Boom, first out, first home. Never looked like losing. He beat far too easy. Contemptuous and Clemenceau. Quantico didn't run on. Then Irish songs, Gravina, R&T, baller, 15 rounds on Frosty Rocks. 
Prince of Boom with Tim Clark in the saddle and trained by Rob Heathcote went straight to the front, which everyone anticipated, and it was a go-to-way victory. Rob Heathcote is joining us on Past the Pace. Rob, good morning. Good morning, guys. You know, I'm stupid sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Uh, I, <laughs> I, try, I try all the time. No, I'm stupid sometimes <laughs> because when I did the form on this race, I love leaders. I love one-out I love one out leaders, and he was a one-out leader. And I looked back at the 10,000 run, and I saw the horses that went by him. Giga Kick, Everest winner, uh, Overpass, Quokka winner, Marzoo, a 10,000 winner, Half Cabin, top three-year-old. It was a different grade yesterday, wasn't it? It, it was, and, and you're right. It, the, the race mapped like Tim was the only leader and he was pretty confident. And, and let's face it, David, Tim Clark, he's one of the, mm. the premier front-running jockeys in the country and he was very confident. And I, I had a slight concern because the previous two races, the Swoopers had won both races and I was beginning to think that, you know, the inside or on speed may have been biased against, but Tim wasn't. He said, no, the track's fine, mate. It's playing perfectly fair. Um, I'll jump, I'll lead, you know, we'll see what happens. But, you know, he looked, he looked mid-race that the, the horse had fired up a little bit, but I think that was more Tim just trying to gently get him to come back underneath him. You know, the, the sectional show that he had a bit of a breather and he gave a, you know, a huge kick at the 400 running the race. Rob, we should probably give the ownership um, group a bit of kudos, this adrenaline group. I know you love your syndication groups, but uh, these sort of light blue and orange colours have come to the fore fairly regularly. And, gee, they love their racing, don't they? They have a great time, these guys. They do, Ben, and yeah, good on you for pointing that out because, you know, the syndication companies, and, and, I, and I know Proven Thoroughbred's another one, and First Light Racing have been with me since their inception. You know, they're fantastic for racing because they open they open racing up to such a huge, you know, band of people who perhaps couldn't afford it otherwise because it's not cheap to be involved in horse racing. And, and the boys from Adrenaline, they're fantastic, Paul and Michael. We, we, we discuss a lot of our plans going forward and, and riders and jockeys and racing. And, you know, they're involved and they like to involve their clients as well. And, you know, communication's a vital part of racing. And, and you know, I... I really go out of my way to make sure everybody feels a part of it, as we even do with TRL, and they've got thousands involved in, in, in racing. So it's good for racing. So immediately post-race, I mean, obviously this race carries a ballot exemption into the Stradbroke. Um, you, you said this horse almost certainly would back up into the Stradbroke, but I gather there was a bit of a change of heart um, last night, and, and now he probably won't go there. Is that the case? Oh, it wasn't even last night, <clears throat> Ben. It was, it was more after I'd had a chat with with Tim Clark pretty much straight after the race. And, you know, I mean, the the, the excitement of the win and, and the possibility of running in a $3 million race, you know, it, it might have got... The occasion might have got to us a bit. But in the cool, hard light, the reality is, can he win a 1,400-metre Stradbroke? And the answer's probably not. Uh, on a backup, uh, it'll be exciting to run in the race, but the reality is, w- would it harm the horse? You know, going forward and having a gut buster when, you know, he's he's, he's on the verge of winning a million dollars. He's only a, a young horse. He's still got a bright future ahead of him. You know, maybe we could look at 1,400 next year, particularly in view of the Healy Stakes in three weeks. You know, that's, that's 1,200 metres of Eagle Farm. And, and Tim said to me, he said, Rob, he said, I don't think the horse would get 1,400 metres. Mm. And look, if anyone's going to know, he would.
It's been a very profitable campaign. He, he won like a gun in the Ascot, then he ran terrifically in the victory, the race you won with Rothfire, and then we've mentioned the 10,000, and then yesterday and the Healy to come. What happened in Melbourne in the spring? Not sure, David. Good question. Uh, whether or not he, he didn't cope with, with travel, as you know, when you travel horses away and... You know, Steve and Matty Hoisted did it with success with Uncommon James. Horses either cope with the trip away or they don't. They cope with the Melbourne way of going and or they don't. And I'm a big believer in the confidence for horses. And his first run down there in Moody Valley, he was like four and five wide the whole way. He got pulling and, you know, Craig Williams was sort of at sea a little bit on him and, and he came in and didn't feel he handled the Melbourne way of going. But I think it hammered his confidence a bit. And then we had to go to Caulfield and it belted with rain and he and he struck a heavy 10 track and just knocked him around. And even in appearance, he, he just didn't look right in the coat. So we brought him home. And, and this is where the Adrenaline boys are great. They said, let's give him a good long break, hit the reset button. So we gave him like three months off and he's come back. And as you rightly say, he's had a very profitable winter. Rothfire, who you'll have in the Strabrake, has been racing terrifically well. Does the weight concern you a bit? 57 kilo, top weight. I think he ran out of his skin last year when he ran third, I think with 54 and a half maybe. There's a lot of three-year-olds around this year, a lot of those at the at the you know, up-and-comes, I suppose, with light weights. What do you sort of make of the Strabrake picture for Rothfire? You're right, Ben. The reality is the weight, of course, it's a concern. You know, horses... I had buffering. He ran second in a couple of Stradbrokes. He carried 58 or 58 and a half one year, and, you know, it's enough to get them beat. But Rothfire, and it's funny, weights and measures don't always pan out as, as simple as black and white because, yes, he carried 59. He got beat by Think About It and, and Converge. They both dropped down to, I think, 54 and 55, whilst my fella drops from 59 to 57. So to turn it around against those horses... May well be wishful thinking, but one factor that we have in favour with Rothfire is this incredible courage the horse has, his toughness. The barrier draw is going to be crucial. I mean, even in that race the other day, um, the Kingsford Smith, he had to do it a little bit tough early, and, and Blake Shin came in and said, you know, that extra 150 metres of work he had to do to get into the position he did took toll at the end of the race. He was a little bit tired, but... 1,400, I feel, is his pet distance. It's his best distance. But barrier draw, if he can get, you know, a soft run, you know, right behind the leaders or even lead, but you, you never get a soft lead in a Stradbroke, let's let's be honest. So if he can get a soft run, I, I know he'll be there fighting it out because he's just that type of horse. During the week, they increased the prize money of the Everest to $20 million. And, and many say, and maybe with some legitimacy, you, you get the same sort of feel. I think it's different when it comes to the Stradbroke. This year, for the first time, $3 million. It's it's doubled in prize money. This race next Saturday is going to be one of the best Stradbrokes I've seen in my time of broadcasting and media work uh, because you've got this great mix. This is what a handicap should be. The old hardheads like yours, Rothfire, and then you've got these up-and-comers, um, uh, the Hawaii 5-0s and the half-cabins and the ruthless dames. And you've got to think about it there. It's going to be a ripping race. 100%, David, and it is our premier feature race for the year, and, and rightly so. I think it was a retrospective move they made when they took prize money backwards for the Stradbroke and, and increasing it, and you could argue all you like the um, the Everest came to $20 million. It's already a, 
a brilliant race at, at 15 million or whatever it was, but who can argue against anything that Volandis does? <laughs> it just seems to work, everything he does. But, yeah, you're right. I, I'm pleased the Stradbroke is looking like being one of the best ones we've ever had. And just finally, um, again, on a not necessarily a carnival point of view, but a, a more broad point, uh, and it's been mentioned several times, but I think it's worth mentioning again because sometimes people lose sight of it. The Eagle Farm track, under the care of Jim Roberts and his team, has really come of age, and that's what we... We don't just need that at carnival time. We need that 52 weeks a year, but it is playing impressively. It is, and I, I made mention of it in my presentation yesterday because it, it certainly is not seen by by many of us at the coalface in the industry. The boys of Jim and, and, and Chris, um, Straub, as we know him by, they, they've just... And, and Ross Smith, they've all done a fantastic job and they were under such pressure, you know, when it looked like the track may have to come up again and, and they've just made the right calls after so many years of the wrong calls having been made and all the pain we went through and what it cost the industry. But, yeah, kudos to the boys. They've done a super job. And just one more question, one more question. The Healy's in mind there in, in, in uh, Tats in three weeks' time. If you looked uh, into a crystal ball and you looked at the spring with Prince of Boom, what would you be thinking about? Um, Sydney. Okay. There's a few second-tier sprint races down there that will suit him ideal. I mean, we don't have... Or, you know, may I say, he might only have a, a brief spring campaign, a couple of runs perhaps, and then just back off because... You know, a race like the Syndicators race, mm. Magic Millions, you know, that's right up his alley, this horse, you know, for adrenaline. And, and I think that'll be the primary target. And like I said, just a brief run or two in the spring, uh, one or two runs in the spring and, and setting for um, for the Magic Millions carnival. That'll be right. I mean, we haven't made the decision on whether we're running in the Stradbroke or not yet. I've sent some emails out this morning and... And the ownership group, as I said to them, the ownership group should make the call. These are, this is my opinion. This is what I would do. And then I'm happy to leave it up to the Adrenaline Dean. Good on you, mate. Congratulations for yesterday and thanks for being with us this morning. Thanks, ladies. Pleasure. Rob Heathcote joining us, Prince of Boom. And uh, he's got a very fluid action, this horse. Uh, he looks great. 1,200 metres, controlling. He's going to be hard to beat in whatever he can test for the rest of his career. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> with absolutely no disrespect to this horse whatsoever, so if owners or connections or whatever are listening, please don't take this the wrong way. That was a terrific win yesterday. But I almost fell off my chair when they reframed the Stradbroke market after this race and had Prince of Boom $11. I, I dead set. I, I could not work it out. I thought someone must have been on the heebie-jeebies there or something. I, I mean... It, it, but it is, a, it is a consistent trend that any horse that wins a, a race leading up to a big race, it's more a knee-jerk reaction and they shorten a lot much, shorten a lot more than what they should have. That, that's a classic point. He's $15 now, but you know, he, he's probably... 15 million uh, to one of, of running in the race, as he said. We should uh, point out as well, in terms of a Stradbroke perspective, Baller, who raced in the Morton Cup and ran down the track, he um, had a Stradbroke slot uh, you know, sealed. He, he was uh, 14th, I think, in the ballot order. He will not race uh, next week. We've just heard uh, Rob Heathcote saying Prince of Boom is most likely a no. I don't know about 11-11. You'd have to question whether 11-11 would race in a Stradbroke off his most recent form. So there's two, potentially three outs. That does open up 
and potentially a couple of other spots. But most of the big guns, or virtually all of the big guns, in the top of the betting are confirmed. And a more than honourable mention to Far Too Easy because this was a race that Prince of Boom stacked and racked them. It gave them a start and wasn't entitled to finish as close as it did, so it ran terrifically. That horse, I tell you what, it's a good horse, isn't it? And I just love David McComb. He's such a decent, uh, terrific individual and... The preparation was just stuffed up, wasn't it, when he didn't get a start in the uh, B, was it BRC sprint? Mm. Um, because that was 1,400, would have been right in his sweet spot. This was just, you could see this race was just too short for him, the way it panned out. Not, not much speed on up front as well. Charged home. Sadly, won't be racing in the Stradbroke. Would have loved to have seen, seen him in the Stradbroke. I don't know if he could have won, but he would have flown home late. So, yeah, feel a bit sad for David McComb. Would have been lovely to see his horse in the Stradbroke. Yeah, and he's very proud of that horse as well. Tim Clark, of course... Probably gets an unfair rap in some ways. They talk about him being a, a great front-running rider in staying races. Well, yesterday was a 1,200-metre race. Tune out because this, you won't understand this. Uh, sectional breakdown. Uh, th- th- these are glorious figures. Yeah, I love the figures so much. 13.19 from the standing start. 11 11.19, 11.08, 12.09. Just reeling off those, those uh, sections. And Prince of Boom does it so well. So all honours to him. I thought Quantico was disappointing in fifth. Thought he should have finished closer. Clemenceau seemed to have its chance. They all seemed to have their chance. And away from Prince of Boom, far too easy, was clearly the best run. Let's turn our attention to the opener. This was the group of the, rather the listed Phoenix for the two-year-olds over the 1,500 metres. And it was a good betting race. All races were good betting races yesterday. But in the end, Azula and Influential were the co-favourites at $3.60. 600 left to run in the Phoenix. Azula alongside Sunny Days. They match motors as they approach the turn. Flying Trapeze in third. He stalked the leading pair for a fair way and now about to peel to the outside. Influential being pushed along. Zimbo trying to make ground. Wider cap for own then Mojave Desert. Sunny Days gone. Flying Trapeze after Azula. They're all flat to the boards. Influential ran to third, still battling away. Then Cap and Zimbo, but Flying Trapeze has the better of Azula now as they get out of the 100 metres. Azula won't give in. Flying Trapeze and Azula. Cap Ferrar up to third. Flying Trapeze and Azula. Azula and Flying Trapeze as they reach the line. I think Azula knows down Flying Trapeze. Third Cap Ferrar right on the heels. Influential in fourth. Then came at the head of the others was Electric Tigress passing a few new Pharaoh Boomster. Zimbo couldn't come on, then Brave Agenda, Black Meadow, a long margin sunny days in Mojave Desert pulling up at the tail end in the first. This was a climb off the canvas job because uh, Flying Trapeze certainly poked the head in front and Azula was entitled to, to give up because they'd run this at a very strong gallop up the front, yet she fought back gamely not only to rejoin Flying Trapeze but then to edge clear on the line and get there by a narrow margin. So she's got black type against her name at only a third race start. Adrian Bott, of course, trains in partnership with Gay Waterhouse. They're having a good carnival and Adrian, a regular guest here on Past the Post. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Well, what did you think? Uh, as I said, um, the breakdown of the timers there, Adrian, they went very strongly early, and uh, you could see most of them were flat out. They, they couldn't go any faster, but she just kept grinding away. Yeah, no, she was she was excellent. Um, you know, I haven't sort of had a chance to sort of really analyse the, the, the times myself yet, but sort of looking at it, I thought they must have sort of been going at a strong enough mm. tempo when she sort of wasn't quite able to get to the front herself. She's a, she's a fast... Um, you know, she's shown plenty of pace previously um, and they sort of looked to be travelling pretty strongly there in front. So she just found herself in a bit of a, a new position there. Rachel thought she just got a, a little bit lost there at various stages. So when 
um, when 400p came up and, and, and challenged it, it sort of really helped to sort of rally and just helped to um, pick up and, and, and find the line. It took a little bit longer than I would have liked to, to, to fight it off, but she was, um, yeah, great to see her say game. And, of course, Rachel King was a late fill-in for Tim Clark, who, who was uh, running late. I think he was in a taxi at the time or, or may have just arrived on course. Strangely enough, I spoke to Gay in New York last night, Adrian, and one of the things she said was she loved Rachel King's ride on this horse, just kept at it, at it, at it, at it. Uh, she thought, uh, you know, admittedly it was a strong speed, but she loved Rachel's ride, and it's a lovely little pipe opener for her, isn't it? Uh, obviously, she'll ride Hawaii Five O in the Stradbroke for you next week. Yeah, definitely. And, and look, it's not the sort of Rachel's had plenty to do with the, the stable and sort of years previously, and even sort of, you know, through through the years she's in um, riding riding regularly for us in in, in Sydney, and um, you know, capitalise on the ch- opportunity sort of where, wherever she can get, and obviously being a lightweight rider at this sort of time of year sort of is always, you know, always ideal and, um, you know, she picks up a, plenty of big rides for us in those lightweight handicaps won the Sydney Cup for us there um, last year on night's order um, I think down at sort of 51 so she, she does she does those weights so easily um, knows the horses quite well, as I said, she's in regularly so, you know, and, and obviously was Gay's apprentice there for, for her, her stint here in Australia, so, um, yeah, there's, there's a, always a bit of good relationship there I know it was only her third start yesterday, Azula, but I noticed her SP profile. She was $8.50 on debut at Warwick Farm, and then when she won on the Kenzo, she was $8. So, and then she's won black type in her third start. Is she a filly that has exceeded yours and Gay's expectations? Oh, look, not not necessarily. Always held her in, 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 in very high regard. Um, she may have sort of got there a little bit sooner than, than expected, but in, in saying that, she's always... Um, you know, through the early part of a two-year-old career, sort of been a, a filly that was um, identified with, with, with sort of good potential going forward, just whether how soon that was going to come, whether that was sort of more of a, a three-year-old miler type of filly. Um, so she's probably got there maybe six months earlier uh, than, than we expected, but I, I guess sort of those naturally talented fillies um, can, can do that. So she's, um, yeah, she's made good progress every step of the way. Does she back up in the Group One next week, Adrian? At this stage, she will. Uh, more more likely than, than unlikely. Um, she's she's come through the run really well. Um, we, we we held her over through the um, through the acceptances for, for that reason. Should she sort of win and, 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 and win well, and I think that was obviously sort of quite a certainly a, a gutsy performance that it should be looked at and considered. So um, at this stage, no reason why. Um, we, we, we shouldn't be. Now, to start a Stradbroke week, I'm going to ask you a question, and you can't get splinters in your bum. <laughs> I reckon a lot of people are going to tip one of your horses on top in the Stradbroke. They're going to back one of your horses, but they're trying to work out whether it's Hawaii 5A they want to be with or Converge. They've both got strong Stradbroke claims. Hawaii 5A is a three-year-old on the way up. Converge, what a run in the Kingsford Smith. Can you give the punters a bit of a steer? <laughs> No, honestly, I can't. It's oh, gone. come on! The market, the market usually sorts it out better than what I do, anyway. I find, but uh, they, look, they've both got their, their, their very good chances. It's sort of very hard to, to weigh up, and you know, hard to sort of try and uh, split them in that regard. I sort of don't um, don't know quite how to. Um, yeah, you know, obviously, Converge a very seasoned horse. He's proven at that weight for age level. Um, yeah, he's he's coming through the right form lines. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a great setup for him. He's as he, he's seasoned and proven at that level, so and, and he's quite well weighted also. So I think that's always, you know, a big 
big positive sort of going in there. He can, he can handle a high-pressure race. Um, you know, so it's probably the, the safer safer bet if you're sort of trying to look at it that way. But um, in saying that, Hawaii 5-0, it's, he is, you know, where's the, where's the ceiling for him? This is going to be his first, you know, real high-pressure race um, at that level. So, um, yeah, that'll sort of really test him and, and, and tell us exactly where he's at. Um, and, and his real potential going forward. So um, with that weight as well, it's so attractive. So it's um, yeah, there's obviously plenty of positives um, for, for both there. Yeah, the uh, the, the weight is, is uh, impossible to ignore with the Y five oh forty nine and a half. But it's such a powerful strap break this year. I'm, I'm sure the barrier draw is going to be I'm not saying you know you lose out completely if you draw badly, but a, a good barrier I think will be a, a really big asset this, this for this year's race. Yeah, certainly. Um, look, I think with Converge, we've seen he's been pretty pretty versatile um, uh, in, in everything that he's that he's done. So he can sort of be pretty positive if he needs to be put himself in a position. He's uh, you know he's as a pretty seasoned to, to handle a high pressure race like that. So um, uh, Hawaii Five O, we saw last start. He showed great tactical speed. He sort of even sort of surprised me how. Um, yeah, you know, the early stage there, he, he would have been able to lead up the Fred Best there easy enough if he wanted to. So that's going to help him going into a Stradbroke to have that tactical speed to, to offset whatever draw he's got and with a lightweight really put himself in a in a positive position in a winning position there. So um, you know that's that's certainly a, a pleasing aspect to see with him going going into the race. Thanks for being with us this morning. No, no problem at all. Adrian Bot joining us this morning. They're having a good carnival, as I said. That was their fourth black type win. Yesterday, courtesy of Azula. I reckon they like Converge in the Stradbroke. Uh, speaking to Gay last night, mm. I, as much as I'd love to win it for Singo and Jerry Harvey with Hawaii 5-0, I just think Converge is the hard nut. He's won a Group 1 at Eagle Farm before. He's a two-time Group 1 winner. I reckon these prices are wrong with those two horses. Fair enough, think about it, it's the favourite at $3. Hawaii 5 4 Converge $8. I'd almost have them the other way around, to be, to be fair. Yeah, just on Azula, as... Adrian outlined uh, she's more than likely to run in the in the Atkins next Saturday, and she's been slotted in on the second line of betting at eight dollars. But there's been a major shift this morning uh, in terms of Safrano, who won the size produce and beat several of these. It's lost its uh, top billing as equal favourite, so now it's Make a Call and Tannhauser each at six dollars. And Tannhauser was the big jumper in the market. I think it was about eleven dollars, even after. Winning last Saturday, it's now co-favourite. Then we've got four on the eight dollar line: Azula, Criseo, Safrado, and Congregation, who of course won at uh, Rosehill Gardens yesterday. Miracle of Love eleven dollars, Snapback eleven. That's a very clustered market, saying it's a very even and open affair. I can tell you, don't be worried about the drift on Safrado if you like Safrado. It is definitely starting. I spoke to uh, Rex Lippy; he's confirmed that it will race in the JJ Atkins, and he said that anyone who thinks that make a call. Should have beaten Safrade last time. We remember the 6v first protest, the interference. He said basically they're drunk. He said there's no way that Mike Call would have beaten my horse last time. Don't know whether I agree with him. Um, no, I don't agree with him. Well, well like, what, what, no, what I'm saying is I'm rather backtracking over old territory. I thought there was legitimacy for the protest, but I thought slowing down and watching it, I didn't think Make a Call would have beaten Safrado from, yep. where, from where he was when that run stopped. One, well, I think it's one of the most open JJ Atkins in history. Like there is dead set uh, ten horses that you could probably tip and back, and none of them would surprise. Let's go to the Lightning and uh, good uh, thousand meter Lightning edition here. Here's the replay.
600 left to run. In the end, La Palmier and Archer's Paradox had the best speed of their one two to the turn. Third, Malkovich, Remiquitous in fourth. Athelric in the Godolphin Blue in fifth. Then Petronius and Deepor headed the others. Well on the straight. 300 left to run. La Palmier. He's in his groove. He's in his zone. He loves to lead. Archer's Paradox gone. Then Remiquitous. Here come the big guns now. Athelric and Petronius right down the outside. Deepor, two behind them. Petronius the outside and Athelric went up. Remiquitous holds third. Then Deepor. But Petronius goes home too well. Great training, Barry Lockwood. Petronius won the lightning. Peter Thelric, photo third. Deepor or Ubiquitous. Then Benegat said Malkovich, followed by Red Ruby. Bashani Sniper Lapamier. Simply fly, glorious Ruby. Archer's Paradox last. Yes, Petronius, and certainly not unnoticed in betting. Michael Maxworthy on our preview yesterday morning selected it was $14 on tab fixed at the time. It SP'd at $9 yesterday, and Michael McNabb riding for Barry Lockwood, producing this horse first up, set for the race, and it was a, a very good win. Yeah, it was terrific. Gee whiz, don't those horses go at each other, La Palmier and Archer's mm. Paradox? They just, they seem to clash a lot, and we often get the same result. They take each other on, and uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a, you're the sectionals, man, but um, they would have absolutely flown early on. It was a good gallop, 57.22, home in 33.92. The man who puts the polish on Petronius is Barry Lockwood. He's with us now. Barry, good morning. Yes, good morning, David. Very satisfying feeling for you yesterday. You've obviously set the horse for this race. I, I must admit, and I loved him last campaign, I, I was all over him, and I just thought a 1,000 metres might be you know, not quite right for him, but he proved me wrong. Well, I think the, the race uh, was going to pan out. There was a ton of speed early, and... Uh, as we uh, sort of thought it would turn out in the run, there'd be three or four going helter-skelter and we could just take a sit on the back of them. And that was the uh, that was our plan and, and it worked out. doesn't ha- happen all the time, but it did yesterday. Terrific win, Barry. Congratulations. How did you get Michael McNabb for this ride, the, the Kiwi jockey? How did that all come about? Oh, well, uh, uh, Brad, uh, my foreman, he, he knew Michael and said he was over here to ride one of the Oaks and we couldn't get... The, the normal riders we had, and uh, young Jaden was riding one for Steve O'Day, so uh, we just got him to ride the 54, and away we went. We knew he was a very talented rider, of course, and yet known his father for quite a while, so, yeah, just all worked out good. You had him for three runs in the summer, and uh, he won two of them, both times running very good time. I know they could run quick times in the summer, but that was the upside. The downside was, and it was disappointing, wasn't it, that you were going to the Magic Millions and uh, what? just to enlighten our listeners, what happened there? Well, he, he, originally when um, Rodney Hay bought the horse, he, he bought him online to go up to North Queensland and um, um, a team from Masara rang him and said, don't travel this horse because he, he's prone to travel sickness. And uh, at that stage, he'd already got to Rockhampton, so uh, <laughs> I hadn't met Rodney. But he rang me and asked me to, uh, you know, take your horse. And anyway, we give him a bit of time to come down, and and he stayed here. So we got through the first three runs. That was fine. We're going to Magic Millions, of course. And as it panned out, we got the uh, races called off, but we drove down and back in the one hour in, in the one run in traffic. He seemed okay. I galloped him on the Monday and he was very good. But by Wednesday, he had a massive temperature and that was the end of him. 
Yeah, I remember we were at the Ipswich races that day and you were telling me that was, that was most disappointing. So that's only his first run this campaign. So there's several good sprint races around over the next month or so. Which one are, are you picking out for Petronius? Well, it, it's uh, on attached um, on, uh, to days. There's another sprint there. We'll, uh, we'll probably head towards that three weeks away, give him a good break between, uh, between runs, you know. So uh, that's probably where we'll head. Yeah. He's rising seven, but he's only had 26 starts. Yeah, well, you, you wouldn't know he was seven. He's just uh, everything. He's perfectly sound old horse. He bloody uh, does everything right, you know. He's, he's a lovely horse to do anything with. He enjoys his work. He eats well. Yeah, he's quite happy. I often say when I'm broadcasting races, they're good money spinners for the stable because they're consistent and they earn prize money. I think Petratus yeah, has been. I think Petratus has been a good money spinner for you in other ways as well. Yes, he was good. Um, I, I did think he could win first start we gave him, even though he'd never won first up in his life and held his own or so. And, uh, yeah, we had a few dollars on a big price and uh, it paid off. A few dollars yesterday as well? Yeah, no, I don't think anyone went home for anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the way it should be. And, of course, uh, of course, you, you won the last race for the same owner too with Sunfall on Wednesday. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. And, uh, it's... Uh, He's a, he's a horse that might just keep going for us in Brisbane. He, he wasn't up to the the better ones in Melbourne, but uh, I rang uh, Mick Price about him. He said he'd be ideally suited up uh, here, and uh, that's how it's panned out. The way you're going, you're, you're learning pretty well about this, Kobe. You'll get to the top there one day. <laughs> one hurry up, run at a time. Good on you, mate. Good, good, good great, great result yesterday. Thanks, David. There is Barry Lockwood joining us this morning, and um, yeah, it was. I got that wrong, and I, I love that horse, and I was angry, and I was angry that Michael Maxworthy tipped it as well, because I don't like him tipping winners, and I don't. What about him just twisting the knife in you back there when he said no one went home poor? Didn't you go home poor yesterday? <laughs> well, I went home poorer than what I, what I started. Blackout, terrible day. Um, we've discussed that race. Petronius was too good and landing good money. I, I, I mentioned a depot because he was first up, and... Uh, the Camden Sable had two options. They went for the, the, the tougher one and it ran really well, Deepor, so he looks as though he's in for a good campaign as well. The Magic Millions National Classic was the next race on the card. Foxy Frieda, very good for Melbourne, very good for Adelaide, and punters were all over it, $2.10 and favourite. Down below the 400 metres, the sprint went on all of a sudden as Princess Rainies and Ocean Treaty went up to Santero. Foxy Freedom being called upon now and she starts to come out with very good strides. Kiku working to the picture all of a sudden. Foxy Freedom on the outside reached the lead. She's full out. Kiku on the outside trying hard then Thalassophile. Foxy Freedom in front. Kiku the only danger. Foxy Freedom in front. No danger. Foxy Freedom won the classic. Beat home Kiku Osmos and Thalassophile. Not far away media award then Ocean Treaty. Princess Rainey's Frumos, followed by Santiro, then Salik, and Adelaide's last over the line. Sometimes things are meant to stop horses, and yesterday there looked to be no tempo in that race, and there wasn't, but sometimes the best horse shines through, or the best horse wins, and this was a great case in point with, with Foxy Frieda. Back in a moderately run race, but too tough for them. Yeah, I must admit, watching the race live, I thought she was in trouble, like back in the field, wide, no cover, um, well, not much cover anyway, and um, some decent sort of mares in this race too. Um, but as you say, yeah, she was just too good. I don't think anything that um, finished behind her would uh, would beat her again off the strength of that. She probably now 
uh, according to Andrew Knobler. <clears throat> Aims up at a Group 1 Tatsutiara. I think I haven't checked the price this morning. I think she was about $11 for, uh, for a Tatsutiara. But she is, and Billy Egan rode her. And we saw Billy to advantage of the next race. Let's go to the... In fact, no, we're not going to Billy yet. We'll come back to Billy. Let's go to the last race of the day. This was an outstanding betting race. Golden Boom was heavily backed. Red Car was heavily backed. Written in Code was very well backed. Here's how it panned out. Give them straight though, with 300 left to run, Red Card leads, Golden Boom is out at ample time, coming after Red Card McDonald's starting to feel for it now as Golden Boom chips into the margin, they look to be the two for the moment, but it's still Red Card nicely clear, Golden Boom can't get it as yet, 100 left to run Red Card well clear, I was going to romp it in the last, Red Card first out and first home, Mullane second, Golden Boom third, fourth either a Katarina or Bazique, then Stroll, followed by Brereton, then came Chairman, well back was Gnatty, then Dark Harmony, at the head of the others was written in code, it didn't come on, then Valiancy, Queen Assassin, and Hell of a Barty whipped them in, and Red Carter smashed them. She certainly did. She looked really good at Scone. She won that to Denise's Joy, and ran very fast time, and put a gap on them, and that was 1,100 metres. I think if there was, the, the, the school of thought against her yesterday, if you were against her, was would she get 1,200 metres? Well, I think she's shown that she's turned a really decent corner into this campaign because she was powerful to the line, and that was a good field. Yeah, and it was scintillating speed from her, wasn't it, to cross Golden Boom the way she did. So, look, I think they're looking maybe at Ipswich Cup Day, a race like the Gay Waterhouse or something like that for her. But I reckon this she could be one coming out of this carnival that we look mm. back in six months or a year and say, remember that day? Uh, you know, she won that race on Oaks Day. She was terrific. Um, Golden Boom did his best. Uh, don't know about a strong twelve hundred metres for Golden Boom. Um, well, but... there, there, it was. I, I felt a little surprising that uh, he led and handed the lead up. Maybe there was no option there for Ryan Maloney. Um, so I, I think he's a, a better horse when he can control. The only downside, if you're critiquing the performance, I thought he should have held second. And Malane. The stablemate went by him, so if there was a, a downside, that was it, I thought. Yeah, and James McDonald actually ended up in the steward's room at the end of the day for his winning ride on red card. He sort of shaved across Golden Boom. She suffered a little bit of interference crossing, but um, stewards deemed it not worthy of a suspension and uh, just uh, watched him, uh, wanted him to be on his uh, best riding manners going forward. Back to Billy, Billy Egan. Let's hear him on Munamek take out the listed spear chief. 500 left to run, and Master Jamie turned into the straight in front, but military expert comes calling all of a sudden. Alberg railed up to third, then drive a deal. Brigantine trying to fight on after being wide. Charming baby and Monomag down the outside. He now really gets to work on military expert coming after Master Jamie, who's not prepared to give in just as yet. Then Brigantine, Charming baby, Monomag on the outside. Military expert can't go on. He's gone. Monomag swept to the lead, raced away, and he's won. Oh, won easily. Monomag first. Charming baby. Maybe second. Brigantine in a good third after being wide. Fourth either Skyman or Master JB. Then Mr. Yushu character. Military expert was a flop. Then Linthor Bland. Driver deal. Vinko. Alberk. Panchura. And out towards the tail was Tears of Love. Part owned by Clint Hutchison, of course, from Racing.com. And Monomek, uh, a horse who had very good form coming to this race out of Victoria and um, gave them a start, gave them a beating. Yeah, it was a blistering win. Um must admit the aftermath was a little confusing. They were talking about uh, backing this horse up in the Stradbroke, um, talking about the Stradbroke, but for the life of me, I can't work out how it gets into the Stradbroke. I think it was before this race, I think it was 34th in the in the ballot. Uh, it can move up in the ballot order, but we rang Nathan Burke yesterday, and, and this horse is not eligible for a weight penalty for winning that race yesterday. So I, I can't really see how it gets in the Stradbroke, can you? 
No, but so, uh, uh, well, if they if they do want to back up, a race like the Wayne Wilson Mile would be on deal next week, so we'll see what happens there. They were the highlights of Queensland Oaks Day at Eagle Farm, and as we said, of course, the big one next Saturday, the $3 million star Stradbroke, as well as the million-dollar JJ Atkins, host of other big races. Barrier draw for the Stradbroke on Tuesday, and as I said to Adrian Bott, I'm sure that the barrier draw will be significant. Absolutely. What's your Stradbroke? I'll, I'll, I'll give him 24 hours. Tell no, me no, I'm happy to tell you now. Well, tell me now. Well, I think I sort of alluded to it. This is predicated on the barrier draw, right? Mm. This horse can't win if it draws wide. I'm tipping half cabin. I think if it draws soft, mm. uh, it's got an electric finish. Uh, it's fresh. Um, I liked its run in the Doom in 10,000. Uh, it's a three-year-old on the up. It's run in some very high-quality races. The only question mark is whether it gets a strong 1,400. I think it can if it draws soft. And, and I like it. I really do. But if it draws wide, uh, it conver- Converge draws half a gate, I'll be tipping Converge pretty strongly. How's that sound? Well, I know you're a cardinal gem man. No, 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 I'm, no. I won't be releasing anything. No, you are. You're a cardinal. Or... You're a cardinal. Yeah. Cardinal gem could draw barrier twenty-one, and you'd still be tipping it. I'm certainly not not half cabin man. I can assure <laughs> you of that. <laughs> Maybe we could have a side wager. No, 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 no. Uh... You owe me. Do you owe me hundred bucks or something? Uh, no, no, I don't owe you hundred bucks. <laughs> That's the story for another day as well. In fact, we can up that to two hundred. But I'll speed you off here about that. Quick break. Back to have a listen to the feature at Rose Hill yesterday. You're listening to Radio Tab's Pass the Post with David Fowler and Ben Dorries. The black type race at Rose Hill yesterday was the Winter Cup. Here's the action with Darren Flindell. Into the straight, Desert Icon just in front. From Alabir on the outside, a spirit reached the Mediterranean. Shameless Miss making ground. Desert Icon in front, 2.50 to go. Alabir, McAvoy has to get serious now. And K-Mac lifting the favourite Alabir. Put the head in front from Desert Icon. Who's brave? Alabir from Desert Icon. And Alabir just won it. Alabir in a stirring battle, won it by a head to Desert Icon. And the Mediterranean showed some fight. Kicking back to run third. Pesto late on the scene. Then came Spirit Ridge from Auspicious Cloud, Herman Hess, Credit Crunch and Shameless Miss. Alibi kicked off this campaign up here in southeast Queensland with the Wallace Satellite Stable, went back to Sydney, uh, ran third the other day, was a good thing beaten and um, made amends yesterday winning the Winter Cup. Karen McAvoy had the ride. He had a great day at, uh, at Rose Hill Gardens. I'm going to kill Coy today. Yeah, right. It was great to see next week's Strabroke handicap winning jockey yeah, riding that horse home and five can, winners, terrific. I can see you're mightily interested in being able to kill Coy. What are you doing at Kill Coy? You're on the races. Signing autographs? Of course. How, if, much, how much are you charging per autograph? Only, only $10 for the provincials, $20 <laughs> in the city. Talk to you tomorrow. So you can't wait for Stratty Week, guys. There it is. Uh, ben Norris with us this morning. Thanks for your company. Always appreciate it. Thanks to Archer Park Racing. The website, archerparkracing.com.au. Plenty there for sale. And I'll join you tomorrow morning for Press Room. Have a good day. See you at Kill Coy. Bye-bye.